views expressed on the following program of those of its hosts and participants in no way reflect those of the staff or management of WNRI. The pandemic, civil unrest, protest, and the road to the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, good afternoon, everyone. It is right now 12.06 on this Tuesday. You're listening to The John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11 and uh, we go until 2. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at the website, and that is, of course, dipetro.com. Folks, this portion of the program is brought to you by Rhode Island's number one garden center. Stop in, folks. It's another beautiful day. We are so blessed. It is cooled off, much cooler than it was yesterday, certainly, but uh, still warm. A lot of people are off, enjoying some time off, enjoying the summer. Stop in and take a ride to Rhode Island's number one garden center. And, of course, it's PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center, 3688 Quaker Lane in North Kingstown. They're right off of Route 4. Stop in and see them. You can find them on Facebook, PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. And also look for their website. It's prmaterials.shop. But 3688 Quaker Lane in North Kingstown, what a tremendous selection they have. And uh, annuals and perennials and hibiscus and uh, delilahs. Folks, beautiful selection. What I am so amazed, uh, Debbie and Steve, folks, they are so talented because you want to talk about it. They have redefined green thumb at PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. They're having a booming summer. And I'm not surprised in any way. But stop in. Great season they're having. Worth the ride. 3688 Quaker Lane in North Kingstown. Hey, listen. You want to plant something at your property that's going to last. You want PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. 3688 Quaker Lane in North Kingstown. Well, folks, it's John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Thank you so many of you. Folks that uh, let me know that you've been, you know, it's hot out, so you're just inside and you're enjoying the program listing on either 99.9 FM or AM 1380. Many people listen online at the website, which is depetro.com. You just click listen live, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. Um, uh, yeah, that's true, actually. Uh, I want to get to... Um, uh, the story. I want to also say good afternoon to everybody on Facebook Live, folks. Click the like button and then um, give a quick thumbs up. That like signifies almost like you're kind of checking in a little bit. But I want to get to um, a story that we're hearing more of. Have you noticed the amount of fires that are happening right now in the city of Providence? And online, there are groups that are claiming responsibility for it. There are anarchist groups, protest groups. Uh, I know the local media likes to say they're peaceful protesters, but they don't seem like peaceful protesters when they're committing arson. So I want to play six cars caught fire uh, Tuesday morning, Providence parking lot. Um, Let's hear this is the uh, story on Channel 12. Let's uh, start off with that. And then I'm going to let you know exactly um, what's going on. Street in Providence. That's where an arson investigation team is looking into a fire that damaged six cars. This uh, call coming in at about 4 o'clock this morning in a parking lot with spaces that were rented out to nearby residents. Investigators say they will be checking surveillance cameras in the area. Well, the fact of the matter is we are hearing from a number uh, online of some of these... um, Excuse me, anarchists, protesters, you know, they all they all go together. 
If you saw, if you uh, go to my website, to Petro.com, folks, the official website, and we have a number of different stories up. And one of the stories that we have, now, folks, also, if you notice, you know, Saturday night, we were the ones, I was right out there and broke the story that that Councilman Igliosi had his uh, home vandalized and there were protesters there. And then also, so he had police protection. And then you had the story regarding the situation where they were also at Mayor Lors' house. Now, what the media doesn't want to report on is what I'm going to play for you right now. And that is an eyewitness that I caught up with. Now, I want you to notice, they want this narrative, right? The local media wants this narrative that they're all peaceful protesters and that it's all, you know, it's all just they're doing the right thing. As, as a local reporter said, you know, why are you mean? What Remember I told you one of the local TV reporters, why are you so mean to the protesters? Gee, I don't know, because they uh, uh, commit arson, because they were trying to burn down the mall, because they burned a police cruiser, because they vandalized, they have destroyed downtown Providence, because now they're going and vandalizing uh, elements outside the governor's home. Mayor Alors's home, the city council home. Why am I mean to the protest? Why don't you accurately cover the protesters? But this is no one is reporting this. You know why? And it's very simple. They don't want it to ruin the narrative. The narrative it is, you know, because of what happened in Minneapolis, the least we can do is give reparations. The least you can do, you selfish, racist white person, the least you could do is start to pay out. As Mayor Lorza was saying, we're going to make every Rhode Island resident pay starting at 5000 a year. You're going to pay for every person of color. And then they included the Narragansett Indian tribe. You're going to start to pay them in reparations because there were slaves in Rhode Island in 1695. And guess what? You and your family are going to pay. So start paying up. And if you won't pay, then we're going to start to toll the cars on the road, and he's already making movement to become the next governor. But this is we an interview we did Saturday night now. Saturday night. Um, on Sunday is when everyone else caught up to the story. Okay, and, and because of the competitiveness, they don't want to mention that we broke the story Saturday night. They also don't want to mention the protesters and the police protection outside Mayor Lorz's house. Have you noticed that? Try to find that. They won't cover it. And I'll tell you why they won't cover it. And folks, but because I like to get on the scene to find out exactly what's going on. Because if you have to depend on those people to find out what's going on, you're not going to get the real story. You're not going to get the real news. You're not going to get the truth. The media, the job is to report facts of what's happening not try to color it we don't want to make certain protesters look bad we don't want to give people the impression that it wasn't a peaceful protest so we're going to withhold information listen to the interview i did with an eyewitness that saw the protesters outside mayor alors's house now this was saturday night i was outside the mayor's house and um Hold on. You're going to hear this guy. He saw it. And I want you to listen to what he heard the protesters chanting. But the reason why this isn't being covered, because this blows the whole thing. This was supposed to be the summer of beauty. This is supposed to be 
the summer of peacefulness. This is supposed to be everyone came together. And it was such a 10,000 people on the lawn of the state house. And they don't want to mention the police that were hurt. They don't want to talk about the threats. They don't want to talk about the vandalism that was done because that ruins the narrative. And that's why they don't want to report on what I'm about to play for you. This was an eyewitness that saw the protesters Friday night outside Mayor Lorz's house. And the media doesn't want to report on it because it ruins the narrative. It's like another story ruined by an eyewitness. Now, listen, here's the, 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 the here we go. The this was Saturday time. night. Uh, you did hear them? Can I talk to you for a minute? I'm just doing a quick Facebook Live. Okay. All right, good. Folks, hold on. This is uh, one of the neighbor. I don't want to distract you from your dog. Sorry, it's okay. So, okay. So, um, again, so you're a, a neighbor of you're a neighbor of Maryland. Yes, I live right across the street. Right across the street. Right across what time the street. would you say the protesters were here last night? Sure, I want to say around seven thirty, almost eight at night. Okay. And this were the defund the police people. Yes. Okay. Defund the police. Uh, yes, they had loud music also, and they have like. I don't know, they had pants or stuff, they were just making noise. But how, how many people would you say approximately? Around 15, not a lot of people, there were around 15, 10 people. Yeah, the first time they were here, they were like around like 20. Yes, the they were here on a Sunday, was that a Sunday night a couple weeks ago, yes. two weeks ago? Five, five, yeah, if I'm not wrong, yeah. Notice Juan so knows the story. Did you recognize any of them? No, no. Mm-mm. Did Mayor Lorza come out or they just yelling at the house? Uh, they were just yelling at the house because he wasn't here at the moment. He came by uh, about an hour afterwards when they left. Yeah. Now, how do you feel having, so as a result of that, then you're going to have the oh, police right down the street, the police car sitting over my right shelter. I mean, I don't mind because, you know, they're just Who wouldn't there, mind having the police on your street? They're right. not doing anything to nobody and they're just, you know, watching everybody else being, you know, having peace and fun, That's as right. you can say. Because, yes. uh, uh, like you said, yes. this is wrong bringing the protest to his house. Yes, hey, Benny, sorry about that. Yeah, his because uh, if. Yeah, that's my dad. Uh, yeah, because if. Like they were saying, like I was saying yesterday, uh, I mean, like I was saying earlier, they were here yesterday and they were making noise, and I have my nephew there sleeping and my little niece also. So they kind of woke him up and. I don't have anything against the people that come over here and protest. Yeah. It's just, you know, that they, they have to have it, uh, like a certain point or they should know when he's here so they could actually talk to the mayor and not just be making noise for the rest of the, the community that's around them. Right. You know, and like I said, everybody, everybody has their own uh, right to do and protest whatever they want to do. Sure. But like I said, uh, I don't mind, you know, at all. And, and then did the police come and then they left? Uh, yeah, they were talking to them for about good two minutes and then they just left everybody was just and were they what were they chanting do you remember like black Ready? lives matter that was the only thing they were saying the whole time they were chanting that yeah now who are you two doing now again good afternoon folks right now it's twelve sixteen. it's john DePietro. see that's why the media is not covering it okay and this is the same thing of why when they were outside governor Amundo's house the local media doesn't want to report on it because of the, those that were outside Governor Mundo's house that were trying to get inside the house who should have been arrested. If that was me or you, we would have been arrested. If those were Trump supporters in Make America Great Again hats, they would have been arrested. If those were Trump supporters in Make America Great Again hats outside Mayor Lorz's house, he would have showed up and demanded they be arrested. The media doesn't want to report exactly what the eyewitness you just heard his neighbor said. What were they chanting? Black Lives Matter. Because 
the local media, they don't want it to be that way. They don't want to report to you that this stuff crosses over, right? What did they say after the riot? Alorza, the governor, the right, those weren't protesters. No, that, excuse me, they were protesters. Now, the people outside John Igliosi's house, the councilman that vandalizes his house and also vandalizes automobiles and cars. And what did they also put on the sidewalk? Black Lives Matter, but they don't want to touch that. No, the best example, I think, of how the media wants to operate, and it goes back to folks that first protest. Um, it was the first weekend in June when Governor Raimondo famously no mask and addressing the crowd and that firefighter who was then uh, live on Channel 12. This is the narrative right they now, want. We're out here tonight at the Rhode Island State House. I want to just talk to you guys. We got a group of friends here together. I want to talk to you guys about what today was like. This afternoon, I think, is it's a welcome afternoon for people here in Providence. What was it like for all of you to be out here? Now, that was Channel 12. That led to the interview of the firefighter. It was a welcome afternoon. The people of Providence were excited to have rioting and looting in the city. The people of Providence were excited to watch a police officer assaulted by protesters. It was a welcoming atmosphere. Magnificently peaceful. They're in such a hurry. And they don't want to report. What were they chanting? They were outside the mayor's house. They were vandalizing. What were they chanting? They were chanting Black Lives Matter. Well, then we're not reporting on that. Leave that part out. We don't want in any way damage the Black Lives Matter message. Folks, look at what is going on in Portland. Portland is insanity. Whoever thought Portland, Oregon is the, the epicenter, the center of the universe. Those people, that, that, those aren't protesters. That's become like, that, that is their, some of them full-time job and hobby is protesting for crying out loud. They in no way want to take off the message. The number one most important thing, and that was in the interview. But um, now, by the way, that reporter since then has gone on to Boston. But listen to the way it was set up. My name's Terrell Pachi. No, and there's the firefighter. Guys, I'm joining by these two protesters right now who are out here tonight at the Rhode Island State House. I want to just talk to you guys. We got so a group beautiful. of friends here together. I want to talk to you guys about what today was like. This afternoon, I think, is it's a welcome afternoon for people welcome. here in Providence. What was it like for all of you to be out here? <laughs> and then he goes on to completely tell a half-truth as to he was profiled by the police. They want to set it up as if, you know, it couldn't have been nicer. It's just, it's so beautiful. It's so great that so many people are coming out and saying blank you to the police. It's just such a beautiful, peaceful atmosphere as people are saying F the police and throwing bottles at them and it's just so welcoming that this is happening in this. What it means to you and your friends to finally be able to go up to the law enforcement and say, blank you. And just how wonderful it is that everyone's coming together to rally against law enforcement because of one bad nut cop in Minneapolis. Now, there is going to be a back the blue rally this Thursday night. I'm going to tell you about that in a moment. If you're wondering about it, if you go to my Facebook page, John DePietro Show, you scroll up and down and then you will find it. So and I also will address that. We're also going to talk to um, John Francis of Competition Shooting Supplies coming up in just a moment because there have been changes now made 
as far as your ability to own a firearm in Rhode Island. They want to limit it. But the media has to change this narrative. They are ant, um, anarchists. You know, there was a story recently in print. And it was all these kids that got caught up in the moment at the riot. And they don't they leave out the fact that there were anarchists who were there, who had flammables, who were committing arson, who is the headquarters for Antifa in that's left out. Instead, you know, it's some people and some kids, and they kind of got caught up. You know, they treat it. There was a, a girl in Warwick that was arrested for jumping on a police cruiser, and then they set that cruiser on fire. It was depicted in, in the media as if she was a, a junior high school student walking home who got caught up in the crowd and threw a snowball at a bus. You know, I was there, and I kind of got caught up in the emotions of the whole thing, and I, I just ended up on the police cruiser. And I'm really sorry about Yeah, they torched a police car. But the narrative was, you know, it was just some well-meaning kids that kind of got caught up. You know, they went down to protest. And the next thing they knew, they were inside the mall stealing. And, you know, I, I, I'm uh, just someone that wanted to get involved. And I went downtown. And the next thing I knew, I was in a jewelry store looting. But it's, it's the narrative of <clears throat> they want you to believe it was just... Happenstance could have happened to anybody. You know, I was about to leave and then I didn't leave. And then the police came and the next thing I know, I'm arrested. Yeah, they leave out the fact that they were lighting businesses on fire in downtown Providence. The media does now. It's all in the police reports. And we tell you what's going on because this is real news. Real news should be you get to find out, as I've told many of you and folks, again, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on this Tuesday, July 21st. At uh, 1223, you're an adult. I believe you can, you know, kind of like few good men, you can handle the truth. You can handle and know what's going on. That's not the way they see it. Let's keep the narrative that, first of all, there should be no bad press for Black Lives Matter. This is going on media organizations. The last thing we want is any way to paint them in a negative light. Number two, anytime you can portray the police in a negative light, do it. Number three, if any of these Trump supporters come out, make the coverage as negative as possible. And number four, if anyone breaks the law, try to make it seem that it wasn't organized. It was just a random type incident. This portion of the John DePietro Show, folks, is brought to you by Vero Industries. Let me ask you a question on this Tuesday. Would you like to get some cash in your hand? Well, VERO, Leo at Vero Industries, 40 years experience buying gold, silver, other precious metals, old, broken, new silverware, jewelry, serving trays, tea, coffee sets or pieces, watches, half earring pieces. Also, buy and sell of individual coins and collections. I posted his ad on the Facebook page, John DePietro Show. Call Leo at Vero Industries. Wouldn't you like to be maybe a little more liquid right now? Gold is at an all-time high. If you have gold, this is the best time to sell. I repeat, if you have some gold pieces, this is the best time to sell. And the relative that left it to you, they would want you to cash it in. Vero Industries, 401 401- 
434-8900. Weekend evening appointments available at uh, either their location or your, yours. Leo, will go to you, East Providence and Warwick. Vero, V-E-R-O, Vero Industries, 434-8900. Professional, the best. They will give you the fairest amount for your gold, silver, or other precious metals. Or maybe it's a, a coin collection. Vero Industries, 434-8900, 434-8900 for Vero Industries. Leo, <coughs> excuse me, I call him St. Leo. The guy is just the best. And folks, that's who you want to do business with. Again, if you need the number, I did post it on my Facebook page. You could always get in touch with me and I will um, get it to you. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by Ryan's Appliance Repair. Remember what we say, if your appliance is dying, just call Ryan, 401-710-7096. 401-710-7096. Repairs on all makes and models of appliances. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 90 days, parts and labor. If your appliance is dying, just call Ryan. Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401-710-7096. Now, Right now, we're going to talk to John Francis of Competition Shooting Supplies coming up in um, in just a couple of minutes, folks. Uh, because there have been some changes. There have been some changes uh, to the, as far as, if in fact, if you would uh, like to obtain a firearm or anything like that, um, then we're going to, hold on one moment, folks. Uh, let me just give a go ahead. Um uh, hold on. I like to say that. Hold on. I may put that on a mug. Hold on. Okay. There we go. Now, uh, but let me finish. Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401-710-7096. If you have an appliance that's not working properly, call Ryan. Don't give up on it. Don't buy a new one. Get it fixed. 401-710-7096. Ryan's Appliance Repair. We're going to talk to John Francis coming up. Folks, coming up um, also Thursday night. Now, I, I, I want to give credit. There are people that have been doing these back the blue, back the blue rallies. And there's going to be one Thursday night, 637 o'clock. In Providence at the Public Safety Complex, which is the Providence Police Station. Now, but I just want to be very clear about this because there were people. Providence is a different, um, different element than other parts of the state. What do I mean about that? Where have all the protests been? All the protests have been in Providence. Someone that's part of it, in uh, Bobby Coogan, people asked me if I would help promote it, and I don't mind doing that. I've been sharing it on my Facebook page. Uh, I help them just put an event page up. But I want to be very clear, the, this is a group of uh, volunteers. They've been doing the Back the Blue, Rhode Island Backs the Blue rallies. They did one in North Providence. I know they did one in Warwick. They've been doing one in Lincoln, some different cities. Thursday night, it touches down in Providence. Now, some of the people connected with this Back the Blue, they were saying, you know, well, we want this to be peaceful. And everyone wants it to be peaceful. But you can't be naive, okay? The protests, let's just look at what has happened in Providence since June 1st. You had the riot at the mall. They were trying to burn down the mall. They burned a a cruiser. 
Anti-police forces have been showing up at the home of Governor Armando, Mayor Alorza. They vandalized Igliosi's house. Um, I carried the rally on Facebook Live where they talk about it's time for another rally, uh, another uh, riot. They talk about if they don't get their way, they want to burn the city down. For people that are organizing the Rhode Island Backs the Blue, just, just know there will be law enforcement there. There's police coming in from other parts of the state. But you're naive to think that the anti-police people will not show up at the rally. I mean, that's just being naive. If you're under that impression, then you're not following the events that have been going on. Because the events that have been going on, as I said, if they're willing to go to Governor Raimondo's home, which they did. If they're willing to go to Igliosi's home, councilman, and vandalize his house and put graffiti, which they did. If they're willing to go to Mayor Alors's house where he has to have police outside. If they're willing to go and try to burn down Providence Place Mall and burn down different stores in the city and burn a police cruiser. you Are you really under the impression they're not going to show up at a pro-police rally? Now, my answer to that is if you think that, well, it didn't. they didn't show up in Warwick. No, they didn't. Because there haven't been any protests in Warwick. Well, they didn't show up in North Providence. There haven't been any protests in North Providence. Well, they didn't show up in Lincoln. There have been no protests. Where have the protests been? Providence. Where do most of them live? Providence. Not all. You want to go Thursday night? I think it's terrific. I am going to go Thursday night. But don't be naive. I've been following and dealing with this crowd since May. They're rude. They're obnoxious. They're aggressive. They can't be reasoned with. Um, they've demonstrated they're violent. So if you want to go, fine. But don't go under the guise of like, I can't believe some, some of the things some of those women were saying. Um, I, I, I think there's going to be enough people there that can control that type of crowd, I think. But just, you know, if you're a Patriot fan and you went over your Patriot gear and go to a Buffalo Bills game at Buffalo back when we could go to football – do you really think you're going to walk in and out of the stadium without some Bills Mafia fans going after you or go to a Jet game for that? This is their home game. This They are based in Providence. They view it that the pro-police people are coming in from the outside. That's how it's viewed. So, you know, no one should go with any being disillusioned of this isn't Warwick. It's not Lincoln. It's not North Providence. Now, listen, it's not Portland and it's not Brooklyn. But it's definitely not going to be what we did, uh, Rhode Island backs the blue rally in Warwick and didn't have any problem. Well, I think that's terrific. But it's a little bit of a different animal. So I want to let's get our friend John Francis on the phone of uh, competition shooting supplies. And folks, we're going to talk to him very briefly right here on the John Petro show, just because there have been some uh, changes and you should know about it. And, uh, and there's no one, as I like to say, more knowledgeable than our friend John Francis at Competition Shooting Supply. There he is. Folks, joining us right now is the Defender of the Faith, our leader from Competition Shooting Supplies, and it's John Francis. Good afternoon, John. Hi, John. How are you? Very well. John Francis, I consider you an expert. If you'd be so kind to alert people to what happened last week where they are tinkling, tinkering with and making some provisions regarding uh, firearms and the possession of them, ownership of them, and different laws uh, in Rhode Island. Okay, so last uh, last 
the uh, General Assembly passed a uh, background uh, check bill. Uh, so what this is, th- this bill was put forth in response to the Westerly shooting yes. uh, last uh, December. And so um, what it's, what it's going to do is, so if, uh, so like my store is in Pawtucket, but if you happen to live in Cumberland and you come in and fill out the paperwork, I have to send uh, a copy of that form to uh, your hometown police. Okay, so instead of doing everything through my local PD, because this is where my store is located, now I'm going to have to start mailing applications all over the state, even though the police departments use the same computer systems to check everybody. Now, see, that makes no sense to me in any way. Is this just well, feel-good so legislation? The, even, the, even the police chief's association was against this bill. Hmm. Because what's going to end up happening is you've got towns like Cumberland, in Lincoln, for example, they don't have gun shops there, and they don't normally do background checks for gun buyers. Right. So they're going to start. So you know, and it, even the cities like here in Pawtucket. So all these folks here in the Blackstone Valley, well, they shop at a lot of different stores all over the state. So all these departments are going to get inundated with forms, and these, and, and they've never done them before. Hmm. So um, even, you know, uh, uh, even my, uh, my local uh, uh, PD, they're quite concerned um, of the, uh, that they're going to get completely swamped again. And this is going to be, now it's going to be a regular thing, not just because of the COVID stuff. Hmm. So I can, uh, um, I, I just, I don't see how much good this, there's going to come of this. Yeah. Um, in, a, in a letter I sent to the speaker detailing what, you know, my opinion of it, and this was earlier this year, and uh, they could have easily set up um, uh, a, a, a method that police departments can easily uh, either email or, uh, you know, electronically communicate with each other sure. to find out about a particular person in that city or town. Hmm. Because they're trying to argue that if that person involved with the Wesley shooting, if he had applied for it in Wesley, they were, he was known to them, they would have rejected Still would It still would have been approved. That's interesting. Yeah. Because the man had no disqualifying features in his, he had, he had nothing uh, in his record that would have, that could have allowed them to prohibit him. Okay. He was never, he was never arrested. He was never charged. Yep. With anything. He could have been, in my opinion, he should have been. Sure. They could have easily, in my opinion, they could have easily red flagged him under the new red flag order that that the governor touted last year. Hmm. But why didn't they do that? That's right. They should have. Folks, we're speaking with John Francis of Competition Shooting Supplies, 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. You can call him at 727-1716. John, while I have you on the line, how are you for supplies for firearms, ammunition, and accessories? Oh, I'll tell you, John, it's it's uh, it's getting a little scary. Wow. Oh, inventory is getting. Uh, I would have thought that the that the heat of the summer and you know you know people are going on vacation and stuff, but because of the COVID, still. People aren't, they're not really traveling. They're right. staying home. Yes. They're seeing the ongoing, the lawlessness that's happening here in Rhode Island. Yep. Around the country. The authorities aren't doing anything to curb it. No. And it's scaring the hell out of people. Wow. So that we still have, we still have a rush. Not so much as much as it was, but um, so the biggest question. 
question I'm, I'm being asked is, how come you're so low on guns and ammunition? Oh. Well, keep in mind, since March, we've been adding almost 2 million gun owners per month into the system. Wow. That is amazing. Holy. And God. last month, they did over three, well over 3 million background checks by the FBI, which in the real world likely equates to at least 4 million guns sold. Hmm. So at least half of that number is, is new shooters. Yep. So that's where it's all going. And do you have people that are coming in and taking the blue card test? Oh, yeah, every day. Every day. Okay. We give the test every day up yep. to a half hour before closing. Yep. Well, folks, stop in and see him. John Francis, 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. You take the last exit in Rhode Island. You're going to drive past the Attleboro train station and then right at the intersection of Benefit Street, Newport Avenue. Take the left uh, right where the ta- there was a tattoo place there. I'm not sure if they're open because of what's going he's on. Still but here. He's, yep, still he's still here. He's still here. Competition shooting supplies. John Francis, listen, you're the defender of the faith, Second Amendment headquarters. Keep up the good work and we'll talk to you again. John. Thank All right, you. folks, there it is. Yep. John Francis, he is the knowledgeable one. You want to stop in and see him. Uh, I, all the time, I have people ask me, uh, where can they go to, uh, maybe first time, again, first time owner of a firearm, and the place you want to go, folks, is competition shooting supplies. Now, right now, it's 1238. There is no Governor Armando press briefing today. It resumes tomorrow. For those that are just tuning in, again, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 or 99.9 FM. Also, uh, follow me on Facebook, but you can always listen to the show at the website, DePietro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com, where you can also read different stories. We have video up, very interactive. Uh, You can also contact me if you want to contact me there. I believe with Governor Amundo now, the numbers are going up a little bit, but not a lot. From what I understand, they feel that last weekend, reducing the parking at the beaches, they feel that it did work in some way. Now, you can see at the website, it did lead to price gouging. There was one place, uh, you can see the picture there, they were charging $80 for people, $80 for people that want to park to go to the beach. So that's price gouging. But from what I understand, DEM is reporting that they feel it did work. It did reduce some congestion at the beach. So I don't think the governor is going to uh, move on to any type of different phase. I don't think anything's going to relax. But, folks, the big thing to focus on, and if you don't have children, you're not going to be that interested in it. But the big focus is going to be on whether or not the children are going to return to school. Governor Mundo wanted August 29th everybody to return full time to school. And as much as some people are saying, you know, I don't think they should go back. I think it's not safe and distance learning. For many people, their job, you know, they have to go back to work. They have gone back to work. Maybe you're one of them. You need children in school so many people can go to work. So that is a problem. There's a lot of pushback from uh, the unions. They don't feel it's safe. As much as I think it is a bargaining chip, it's not completely unfounded. If you are... An adult, and I know they say over 50, over 60, uh, you have people 40, 45 plus, if they get it, there could be complications. Not so much with children, um, but something else where politics is coming in is, I saw someone today say on, on social media, someone tweeted out, oh, Governor Amundo, she wants the same thing as President Trump. So 
I, I was fearful of that, folks. The governor said she wanted everybody to go back to school. The Rhode Island numbers show in many ways they, many of the children, the schools could go back. Um, I am afraid the politics that may get involved here because President Trump said after, he said it after Governor Mundo that he wants the children to go back to school. Suddenly you have people, they're saying they don't want the kids back in school because President Trump said he does want them in school. That's where the politics are coming in. Now, something else I want to mention about the schools. And um, folks, first, though, <coughs> excuse me, this portion of the program, that is not a COVID cough. Um, it's just uh, dry a little bit. Is brought to you by It's My Health. Listen, you want to stay healthy. Stop it and see Marie. It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Marie, that tremendous store. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. It's called It's My Health. You can call Marie at 305-3585. And it's very simple. I'll bet many of you have driven past it. This is your excuse and chance to stop in. I invite you to stop in. I'm holding up a picture, everybody, on Facebook Live, that old white church on Menden Road in Cumberland. I'll bet you have driven by there a hundred times. You've never stopped in. Well, now. Now you can, because inside I'm asking you to stop it and see Marie. Vitamins, herbal remedies, local products like the incredible antioxidant, which is a kai berry, which is tremendous, keeps your body nice and healthy. She also says honey, maple syrup, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices purchased by the ounce, plus box herbs and teas, hemp, CBD products. It's my health. Stop it and see Marie. She also has a full wall. Of vitamins for children. Keep your family healthy. It's my health. Stop it and see Marie because it's your health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. So right now at 1243, again, we're going till 2 o'clock on the radio this afternoon. Um, Next hour is the power hour. Governor Amundo press briefing returns tomorrow. A big focus is going to be on education. Folks, something that I don't understand and... I understand it can be limited. I, I recognize for younger children, classes, this could be difficult. But for certain schools, to me, what I am surprised at is notice it's becoming all or nothing. It's becoming either they're in the classroom or they're going to be home for distance learning. Um, I would like to see more out-of-the-box thinking with some of the schools, such as, now we know there's not going to be fall sports. Or very limited fall sports. <clears throat> At certain schools that have the um, outside area, maybe they're on a pretty good piece of land, maybe in certain suburban communities, and certainly the colleges, I think they should be planning on classes, hear me out, outside in tents. And what I mean by that is let's just say you have a school that has a football stadium. Now, Listen, there's not going to be any youth football this fall. I feel bad for the kids. Maybe it's their senior year. They're looking forward to playing. They're not playing. It's it's just, it's not happening. I, I'm not sure there's going to be an NFL season. Football, baseball is one thing with the distancing. Football is so much contact. Never mind the linemen. Can you imagine the linemen? You're breathing on someone else as you're across the line on them or in the huddle. Um, football, I, I, I don't think there's going to be college football or it's going to be very, very limited. But anyhow... <clears throat> to me, the schools should be setting up tents at the football stadium. And whatever it is, there's got to be different tent companies. The state has a lot of COVID money that it received. 
I think a lot of the schools for September, October, even parts of November should transition to having classes outside. Now, listen, if it rains, then maybe that's a day it's going to be downpours all day, even though the fall tends to be dry, September, October. But if it's going to be a heavy rain day, then that's a day to do distant learning. But the more the children could be in front of a teacher and it could be an outside classroom, and we're serious about this, um, the more they can interact, they could be sitting there. Then you just wash off part of the football stadium and just have certain tents that would signify almost classrooms. The more the children can be outside. We know the virus uh, dissipates when it's outside. We know that if you're outside, you have less of a chance of contracting the coronavirus than if you're inside. So the key is to be outside. Now, listen, a classroom, even if they open up the windows, some classrooms that have air conditioning and they're built that you can't even open the windows. But it's one thing to open the windows, but you're still inside. Uh, The virus spreads in air conditioning. That's why, you know, all these places right now, Florida, Texas, California, they're having a terrible time because the virus gets into the air conditioning. The more that you're outside, the better chance you have. So if you have a class, I'm just going to say, and especially the college classes, I mean, adults, you can really deal with outside. I understand outside with children, a little bit of a discipline problem, trying to keep their attention. But let's just say a college class or even certain high school grades, everybody's in a mask, you're outside, spread out under a tent, if you will, or in a shade uh, set up that way, uh, there would be no reason not to be able to do that. Now, they would have to stay there and maybe you, I I don't know enough about how the, you know, the teachers, I don't have it all figured out. And you don't want kids then sitting down at a desk or a chair. It would probably have to be more chairs instead of desks because then you'd get, you know, you don't want, you'd have to keep wiping down to clean off the desk or chair from the virus. But my point is, even if it was just three days a week outside, you you stand a much better chance of not catching the virus, whether it be for children or teachers. If I was a teacher, I would, I don't know why we're not hearing more innovative, here's the way we can do it type thinking. I'm hearing that they completely keep thinking of the same model that's been going on since the one-room schoolhouse with Little House on the Prairie, which is everybody just sits in the room. I mean, the distance learning thing, I don't think it should be the either-or. It, it could be a variety. And, and maybe there is no reason for the kids to be there five days a week. But they have to be, there is a value of having the kids in class and together. And from what we understand, there's also a value with them maybe taking a test where they have to be there. Because it's very difficult to administer a test when someone's sitting there in their own home and they could have the answers readily available. So it it definitely has its different challenges. But I think there needs to be more talk and discussion of how things could be transformed now uh, outside. Of course, if listen, if it's freezing in November, you can't do it. But at least the first two months, two and a half months, when you get into November, you still have days where it's like 50, 55. The kids could wear a sweatshirt or coat. 
Um, they're sitting outside at a football game in, the, in that weather. Um, never mind if you had heat lamps. I, I really think that. And then for the months of December, January, February, if it's going to move more online because they're afraid of the germs in the school. Folks, we, we've heard they're making tremendous progress regarding the vaccine you know, that they're working on. This is really, it's kind of a, it's not permanent, but right now it's kind of a stopgap until they have time to develop the vaccine and get that out. And they are making headway with that. But I, I'm just surprised there isn't more, and for lack of a better term, just out of the box thinking. Everything seems to be, and these are supposed to be educators. Everything seems to be either or. You're either home for distance learning or in the classroom. And I would argue the outside part, for instance, you know, people ask me, how do I feel comfortable sending my child back? Well, we haven't got the full plan, but just myself, if I were had to go somewhere five days a week and I was going to be around other people, I would feel better if I was outside. The virus does not spread as readily outside. It dissipates in the air. If you're sitting outside, by the way. And the next person is six feet away from you. Well, then you don't even need the masks. You really don't. So, I mean, then you could have a situation. Someone is running a classroom and you're outside and the kids don't have to wear a mask. And it could be, listen, I'm not saying it's normal. And I'm not saying it would be the equivalent of the way the class was normally conducted. But nothing is normal right now. You can't get on. You, you, it's better not to travel. It's better not to get on an airplane. It's better not to be in large groups. People can't go in and out of hospitals and nursing homes. Nothing is normal right now. So there's no reason to believe that education should be normal right now. But this is going to be a test for Governor Mundo if she can withstand the political pressure of people that are trying to box her in saying, you have the same plan as President Trump. That's wrong. Folks, by the way, the Trump coronavirus briefings resume today, which I think is positive. And yesterday, President Trump wore a mask and posted it on Twitter. The mask can't be political. The mask cannot be if you vote for Biden, you wear a mask. If you vote for Trump, you don't wear a mask. It can't be that way. That is ludicrous. Don't fall into that. Do you know the first voting for the presidential election begins in six weeks? The clock is ticking. We are going to speak with a member of the campaign next hour. But I think the um, the briefings and also the mask wearing, something has to be done to control the virus in these southern states. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by A.E. Mazika Insurance Services. Listen, call Scott and Alex today, 401-353-9300, located 1529 Middle Spring Avenue in North Providence. It's A.E. Mazika Insurance Services. They'll save you money on auto insurance, home insurance, business, life insurance, license in Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and Florida. Folks, let them help you save money. Free consultation. Scott and Alex, look for them on Facebook, A.E. Mazika Insurance Services, and their website is aemazika.com. 1529 Middle Spring Avenue, North Providence. Call them at 401 401- 353-9300, A.E. Mazika Insurance Services. And this time of year, you want to make sure you're covered on your boat or motorcycle 
or jet skis or an RV, AE Mazika Insurance Services. Let them help you save money. 353-9300. Well, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. Now, um, also, how about the fact Dr. Fauci will throw out the ceremonial first pitch at the first game of Major League Baseball's pandemic-delayed regular season? Uh, He is a fan of the Washington Nationals. He's accepted the team's invitation. So they host the Yankees to open the season four months after it was uh, scheduled to begin. Folks, what does that tell you? That tells me just how popular he is. And I know many of you are against Dr. Fauci. I'm not saying you give him. He is not someone to be pushed to the side. He is a very knowledgeable man. There's an article in the New York Times that said Dr. Burks was kind of leading them along. Think I think they're both very knowledgeable individuals. I'm anxious to see how President Trump does with his briefing this afternoon. Um, the president needs to be in control of the pandemic. He has to. Because that is the priority. Folks, let's face it. That's the only thing anyone is talking about. That's the thing that's affecting your life, my life the most. Also, we are going to talk about how about the St. Louis couple is now charged for defending themselves from those protesters. Remember the the gun couple, as they were called. I love these people, the McCluskeys, husband and wife attorneys. You know, they have nothing to apologize for. You had an angry mob that the media won't give you the full truth, that they broke into their street. They were threatening that they were going to burn down their house, that they were going to kill them. They were going to kill their dog. And they were defending themselves. And remember, those protesters keep kept walking. When they saw Mark McCluskey had an AR-15, well, that was the end of that. They had no interest in going up to that door. That kept them going. So, but I'm also hearing and we will talk about that but that the governor there is looking at uh at stepping in to try to help them and he should as a matter of fact i mean there's no way that those people should be charged you know that is fear that is what everyone is living with first 2020 votes are just six weeks away folks we're gonna again we're gonna have a guest next hour um with the campaign but i i know some people say that, you know, that you think the polls are fake and blah, blah, blah. Folks, this is going to come down to the battleground states. Whether or not President Trump receives four more years is not going to be decided in Rhode Island. Whether or not he receives four more years is not going to be decided in Massachusetts. It's the battleground states. It's states that we have talked about. Florida, very important state. North Carolina, very important state. I can't believe Texas is actually in play, but it is. Arizona is an important state. Pennsylvania is a very important state. Michigan, very important state. Wisconsin, very important state. I think the president is going to win Ohio. But the first votes in the election are going to be cast in just six weeks. Voters in the battleground states of Michigan, Pennsylvania, and North Carolina will begin casting ballots in September. So the first absentee ballots will be sent out North Carolina voters starting September 4th. Voters in Pennsylvania request fill out turn in September 14th, followed by voters in Michigan on September 19th. Folks, this is where things have have to turn around. In 2016, more than 47 million voters cast their ballots before Election Day. Now, 
Speaking of that, if you missed the show yesterday, you can go to the website, topetro.com. The interview we did with Ken Block. Ken Block, who has done the research that has the information. Folks, Ken Block has determined that one in four, one in four votes cast in Rhode Island have been fraudulent ballots. Think about that. Rhode Island, that Nelly Gorbia, that the media continues to give her just complete fluff interviews. They don't push her on anything. They let her put this stuff forward. She has single-handedly done nothing to clean up the voter rolls. But that Ken Block has her number. He does. If you missed the interview, um, you can go to the website, petro.com. We have it posted. Ken Block, according to his information... One in four votes cast. Think about that. One in four votes cast in Rhode Island is a fraudulent vote. You have people that are, a lot of them are voting both either by mail and voting in person. So they're voting twice. Other people are registered in other cities. Um, but the biggest damage being done is what Ken Block and I have talked about. And they call it ballot harvesting. Where the campaign hires people. You're hired by the campaign. You go out. You identify someone, hey, would you like to register to vote? Sure. You register them to vote. You never check to see if they're a citizen, if they're a resident of Rhode Island. You put them into into the system. No one checks it. And then you bring them a ballot and they fill it out or you fill it out with them. They can just put an X for a signature. They say it's Joe Smith that lives at 14 Main Street. The state does not have the resources to go check to see if Joe Smith actually is a resident is a citizen and lives at 14 Main Street, but that vote goes in the system. That must change. And that Secretary of State, Nellie Gorbia, she has no intention of cleaning that up. She is livid. She wants all mail ballots for the fall election. Now, coming up, we're going to break for the 1 o'clock news. On the other side, you don't want to miss this. Next hour, uh, we have a very special guest, Mandy Merritt, Republican National Committee, National Press Secretary, is going to talk to us the latest on the Trump campaign. So, folks, it's John DePietro. The Power Hour is next. You don't want to miss it. We're going to talk about some of the fundraising, the reopening, uh, the police organizations backing President Trump. That and a lot more on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen at the website, dipietro.com. Right now, it's 1 o'clock. <laughs>